0: Life's
1: good! Never on! Whoa! Hard! Hard Hardly! Come on, friends! Life's
0: good! Got real close. Got hair high, right? Try and hit two thirds. Have they saved it for her? Yes, they have! Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham. Scott is alongside, as always. Hello, Scott. Sean! We made it. End of one week. Yes, uh, we made it. It's Friday night here just after 11 o'clock Eastern Time. The Canada Cup and the World Cup have finished for the evening. We are going to start our continuing daily coverage of both events in Estevan this evening where the playoff picture is much clearer on the women's side than it was last night and it is decided on the men's side. So let's start there, where the men have wrapped up the round robin. And over the course of six draws, or six games for each team, over the course of three days, we've been able to get rid of three of the teams of the seven that started. John Epping, Matt Dunstone, and Reed Carruthers have all been eliminated. Dunstone and Carruthers eliminated early. Epping, tonight and that leaves us with brad jacobs going right to the final finishing first brendan botcher and kevin cooey will battle for the second spot in the semifinal against brad gushu all those teams finishing four and two so we will have a tiebreaker in the morning after brad gushu wins tonight over kevin cooey scott what is your takeaway from the day on the men's side
1: well sean Looking at the standings, uh, I have two points about this. One is we're going to get an excellent tiebreaker in the morning, which is, again, could be the preview of the Alberta final. Kui and Botcher. That will be really fun.
0: Except they're not going to show it.
1: No, I mean, we'll be watching the women's game, but, you know. Which uh... makes no
0: sense to me, just as a side note. Uh, As a programming note, I don't understand why we're going to watch Rachel Holman and Ali Flaxie. When we have a essentially a playoff game on another sheet, well, I I, I just don't understand that programming decision.
1: Well, listen, Sean, I uh, I'm gonna say over under for number of ends before they switch it. It's gonna uh-huh. be five and a half.
0: Okay, that 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 assumes Rachel Homan blows out Allie Flaxi.
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay, <laughs> I don't think that's crazy to think. All right. So. You know, Okay, sure, we missed a, a couple of ends, but we'll go over there. Kathy will have us covered. No big deal. All right. And the other thing I want to take away from this, this men's game, did you see the end of the Jacobs-Epping game this afternoon? I did not, no. John Epping was in a great position to steal, or at least hold them to one. His last draw came too deep, gave Brad Jacobs a kind of ridiculous... Triple.
0: Oh wait, actually I did see this. Yes. Which he uh-huh. made. Now it's yes, an in off triple.
1: Now if if John Effing Stone stops a foot higher, that shot's not there. Yep. And we have a five way tie at four and two. Now I know what you're gonna say. You're gonna give me this Mike Wilner alternate universe, uh, alternate timeline theory.
0: Yeah, it creates a new space-time continuum, and you cannot assume that everything tonight would have happened the exact same.
1: No, no. I I understand, but wouldn't okay. that be fun if we had five teams tied at 4-2? and two?
0: Well, Vic's head would explode. That exactly. Would, that would be, that be so would, fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but that was a pretty ridiculous shot. Uh, yeah, that, that Epping Stone, they sort of cooked it a bit. It was a, a combination yeah. of a little too much weight and overswept, and they left it pretty much in the one spot. That gave Jacobs a chance to win the game, and and he made a beautiful shot. He had to hit that pretty thin. Uh, I think they said a thin third, uh, <laughs> as they were calling I think, it. I think it was a
1: thick quarter, Sean. Oh,
0: thick okay, quarter. excuse me, yes. <laughs> Got to get that right. Uh, what I liked about it, though, was uh, obviously a tremendous shot, and Jacobs and the hardens were pretty fired up, and Mark Kennedy was just doing his Mark Kennedy thing, <laughs> uh, sweeping the red rocks and saying, nice shot, okay. Uh, what the other guys were doing there, uh, come on, and all that stuff. So I did enjoy yeah, that, just the the difference between them, personality-wise.
1: I enjoyed the Mark Kennedy aspect, but uh, it just reminded me why I don't really like watching these guys play. Like, ugh.
0: Right. Yeah, like, well, I everybody mean, made it. I mean, he made a really hard shot. You line that up for most players in this field, I, I would say it's a fifty-fifty shot for players in this field it's yeah. like club level. at the club level. That's like a one in a thousand shot. So, I mean, it's a really impressive shot to win a game at a pretty big event.
1: No doubt. But I'm reminded my friend, Kashi always said, you know, he t- used to teach boys basketball uh, when they're, you know, 10, 10 years old, 11 years old. And they used to get really fired up whenever they made a shot. And he would say to them, listen, just act like you've been there before, you know, act like you've been there before. And, uh, that was what, that's what I'm thinking when I see these guys getting, you know, they're red in the face and they're just like veins popping out. And you think, yeesh, settle down, yeah. guys.
0: Yeah, I mean, that bugs me when when they get mad and, and start getting on each other when they miss. But, I mean, to make a shot to win a game, to get into a final, that booked him the spot in the final. You know what? I'll give him a pass on that. Okay. So right. uh,
1: on, on the men's side, uh, you know, uh, Brad Gushu, uh, that game tonight against Kevin Cooey, it came down to basically the second end where they scored a four. Cooey was pressed against the time clock and missed his shots by a little, just a little bit here and there. And Gushu executed, got that four and cruised the rest of the way. Uh, yeah, so that I, shot
0: for four was incredible. Angle raised double. <laughs> yeah. Uh, incredible. A chance for a five
1: on they that. had A chance for a five. I thought they were going to play it the other way uh, and not do the run back, but, uh, yeah, you know, uh all credit to where it's due. He made a pretty tough shot after leaving the ice for what seemed like a bathroom break. Maybe. Uh they said he wasn't feeling well, so uh you know, to to be able to come back on the ice and and execute like that. Good job by him. So I I'm still uh you know, Jacob's playing really well, but I'm still kind of on the gushu train here for this uh this event. What about you?
0: Uh, not as much, no. I, they, they struggled with those two wins on Wednesday. Even tonight, something felt a little off. Well it was his team shot. And I, I don't know what it was. Um, you know they, they get that four and then they trade deuces back and forth and it, it just felt just just not as crisp as we've seen him and, and them as a group. Mark Nichols was the low man in the game mm-hmm. at seventy eight percent, which is still really good, uh, but not accustomed to what we're seeing. i I just they they just feel like they're just on the wrong side of an inch here and there coming up a little short, a little deep and and you're just so used to seeing these guys being exact, and they're not exact right now, and that in this field is the difference or could be the difference. Between winning and losing Because everyone is pretty close together With the exception of certainly Carruthers and Dunstone at the bottom
1: Yeah, and I mean Looking throughout the competition for Mark Nichols That's his first game below 80% His first minus of the competition too And he's at plus 3 So, uh, you know He's he's still doing the job uh, Yeah, he had a, a, a down night tonight But, uh, you know, we see them all up near the top of the uh, top of the standings for player percentages, except Breckelant there in the right in the middle. But you know you, this team is really good and they're where they should be. It's just can they bring down? Now they got to play two games to get to the final, and whether they can can do that uh, capture some magic two games in a row, we'll have to see.
0: Yes, we will. So, as we said, the matchup tomorrow morning is Brendan Botcher against Kevin Cooey. And, of course, Brendan Botcher gets into that tiebreaker by beating Brad Jacobs tonight Mm -hmm. in that last draw, handing Jacobs their first loss of this event with a 7-6 victory. Botcher picks up a deuce in 10 after giving up a steal. Uh, I don't know if you saw that shot, the update, in 9 He sort of had to feather one of his that was on the edge of the forefoot into the button area, and he whipped it down the ice and papered it over (laughs) not far enough uh, for the steal one, but they come back, and they didn't really show this end, but uh, Botcher had an easy shot for his deuce. He just, again, basically whipped it and was able to roll out, had the catchers there for a deuce. Not really sure how that end set up for them, but seemed like a pretty straightforward for them to get the game and hand Jacobs the first loss get them into that tiebreaker against Kevin Cooey.
1: Yeah, Sean, so uh with the playoff picture set, who you got? Are you
0: changing your picks at all? No, I'm no nothing no, I'm not. Um uh, the the team that I thought would win is still there. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think all three teams that I picked to make the playoffs are there. Uh right, I believe it's Botcher, Gushu and Cooey. Yeah, had Botcher to win Cooey and Gushu. Yeah, so I'm not gonna move off of those uh, at this point. I don't really have. Yeah, I'm just gonna stick. I'm just gonna stick with it. Uh, you know, I mean, it's...
1: your your picks are made, Sean. You can't change them. But if you right. could, would you? Um, uh,
0: you know, I I I might. Yeah, I I was skeptical that Mark Kennedy and Brad Jacobs would be able to mesh. On such short notice and not a reflection really on either one of them. It's just a reflection of not playing together. Mark being a lefty and the different curl that you get out of a lefty versus righty players. But Mark Kennedy is so good. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, just in all aspects that, you know, having seen three days, I I would favor Jacobs not only because they're in the final, and they obviously have the best chance to win out of all these teams because they're the only one that is in the final, but that combination has gone really well.
1: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, For me, I'm uh, not going to change my pick, so I'm still confident Brad Gushu can get there and get the job done. So why don't we move on to talking about the women's side?
0: Yes, where let's shift over to the women? Where as you as I think you were about to say, Scott, uh, it's not really all that interesting. <laughs> uh,
1: not too interesting, no. Uh, there's a small chance of a tiebreaker should Rachel Holman lose to Allie Flaxi, which I don't think either of us expect tomorrow morning.
0: No, uh, and at and the same time, same with time, that Casey me- Shiediker, Casey Scheidegger. yeah, she has to win her game against Darcy Robertson. So two things have to happen there for us to get another playoff or, or excuse me, another tiebreaker. Doesn't seem that likely.
1: Doesn't seem that likely. And so if things play the way we expect, we get Carrie Anderson, Jennifer Jones, and Rachel Homan into the playoffs. And that, Sean, is the three teams that you picked to get into the playoffs. So there you go. So there you go. And, uh, you know, uh,
0: playing out a bit chalky. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's but again, I mean, that's obviously what we expected coming into the week and it's hard to really be surprised by it because there's this gap that we've talked about. We talked about it all summer, we talked about it at the end of last season and and into the fall here there is a gap here between the top teams and that next level and and there's this concentration certainly Jones, Holman, and then Anderson is pushing into that Scheidegger trying and, and, you know, we, we love Krista McCarvel and we think that she is capable of that, but there is a, a definite drop off after those top two. And then Ainerson actually might be by herself in just sort of one a, mm-hmm. and then it's everybody else.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, you know, any, is there any other story here going into the last day, last round robin day? I, I mean, I can't really think of anything.
0: The only real thing is Rachel Holman is still not playing. like she's not there yet. Uh, she, they're not they're not it's sort of like Brad Goosher that you're just used to seeing them be really good, really exact shoot numbers in the high 80s, and they're they're not there and they seem uncertain. That game against Darcy Robertson this morning that they played uh, Rachel had to draw to win, in the tenth, and they win seven six there. But that was a struggle the whole way through for them. They cracked a three in the eighth end, but otherwise they were just pulling singles, and they really didn't have a lot going in that game. And it's just not what you expect from this team. So I don't. I just don't. I just don't know what what to expect. And when you look at the standings here, uh, assuming that. Carrie Anderson and Jennifer Jones both win their games this uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, Carrie Anderson is playing Chelsea Carey, Jennifer Jones against Laura Walker if they both win. Carrie Anderson is into the final, having beaten Jennifer Jones. And then you would have a uh, a semi of Rachel Holman, Jennifer Jones, and then the winner goes to Carrie Anderson. The way they're playing right now and the way Carrie Anderson is playing and Jennifer Jones, I don't know if they could win those two games without getting a little sharper okay
1: so i'm looking at the uh, the percentages right now if you had to guess who was the top women's skip in the competition and what the percentage was what would you say
0: i would say that you're going to tell me that it's rachel holman at like 86 percent or something uh
1: so actually no rachel is uh tie well second or or third i would say uh, there's a tie for first between Darcy Robertson and Casey Scheidiger at 79%. Rachel wow. Holman, Rachel Homan at 78. And Darcy Robertson, believe it or not, is a plus three. So you you earn a plus when you're five percentage points or more better than your opponent. So, yes. And Darcy Robertson leads the field at plus three as well. Rachel Holman plus two. She had she did have a low game of 64, uh, which was not great. There in the in the sixth draw. But, uh, I mean, otherwise, 84, 84, 84. It, it's, it's not what you're used to, but she's still near the top of the standings. And, like, Emma Miskew is near the top. Uh, Joanne Courtney is the top second. So uh, they're, they're not playing that poorly, but in comparison with how they usually play, uh, there's more shots being missed than we're used to seeing.
0: Yeah, and, and a lot of discussion, too, that, that... – feels like they're uncertain about draw weight, which we saw, Mm -hmm. of course, in the Olympics a lot. And and when this team's good and Rachel's going down to throw a draw, there's the high fives. They have a brief little conversation. Uh, Lisa asks how she's throwing it, and she throws and she makes it. Uh, And and here we – the longer the conversation is with Rachel and the hack, the more uncertain they seem. And as a result, the more they miss you know when when they have it in their head and they know what the ice is that confidence is just so apparent for yeah. them out there and they they just don't have that thus far this week
1: absolutely and and even team wise they they're leading the the pack in terms of stats with an overall shooting percentage of 81 which is top of the tables i mean i anderson and jones are at eight, both at 80 so it's not that like a huge blowout or anything but yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit surprising that they're not sharper, but they're still capable. We've seen them do it, so it wouldn't surprise me at all for Rachel Holman to come in and make some noise in these playoffs. The one other storyline that I was thinking about was, does Carrie Anderson now have Jennifer Jones' number? We know yes. going into the Scotties <laughs> last year that the it was 19-1. Yes. and one. I think they've won six in a row now.
0: I, bl- I thought it was five uh, that I, I saw. Guess
1: and, and you're right the Scotty's final was the last time Jennifer Jones beat her
0: they, yeah they haven't they
1: haven't beaten her this year
0: no they haven't and uh, it's really interesting to see that matchup in the stats in the matchup because you know Jennifer Jones had her number forever and yeah. now you have just this unbelievable turn of events where it's just a complete flip. And it's really unbelievable to look at it. And as I pull it up here, Jennifer Jones is twenty and six against Carrie Anderson career. But yes, Carrie Anderson has won the last five. Mm -hmm. Now, two of those were last year at the Champions Cup. So different team, obviously, uh, on both sides. But this season they've played three times. Interestingly enough, though, twice at the Curlers Corner Autumn Gold Curling Classic, and then once this week. So you know, the, the two in one week there, uh, within a couple of days, uh, in October and then the event this week, but you know, five in a row is five in a row. And if you want to broaden it out too, she's won six of nine. So Jennifer Jones won the first 11, uh, times they yeah. play. Oh no, that's not right. Uh, the first 17 times they played.
1: Yeah, it it was, it was yeah incredible how many times she would beat her and it was all the time in Manitoba provincials. And now it seems like uh, they might have turned the tables, and at least Anderson knows she can beat her. It's not yes. in her head that she can't. So if they make it to the finals against each other, we'll have to see how it goes. Uh, you know, it'll it'll definitely be a good matchup. So uh, for me, Sean, that's all to talk about from Esteban. and want to move down to Omaha?
0: I'll just say one other quick thing in the head-to-head matchups that Rachel Homan is... As I look it up here, 13-4 and four against Carrie Anderson as well. But the trend line is a little better for Rachel Holman there, where she has won the last three games in that matchup. So mm. a, a little better on that. They've played each other this season uh, five times already, uh, twice at the Curlers Corner, Autumn Gold Curling Classic, once at the Masters, once at the Tour Challenge, and then once this week and if you look at the sort of headliner matchup that we are now kind of expecting to get in the semi-final of course that could change Rachel Holman and Jennifer Jones have played each other 31 times want to take a shot at what that record is Scott
1: 31 times yeah i want to say it's 16 and 15
0: yeah for who for holman that is correct Rachel Holman uh, has won 16 times she actually won 5 in a row um, through the end of the 17 season into last year including of course the two games at the roar of the rings and i I
1: believe she beat her in her first ever game that she played against her way back in 07 as an 18 year old so
0: yes uh, actually she won twice so it, it was at the southwestern ontario women's charity spiel in october 2007 they played each other twice in that spiel holman won both of those games by a combined score of twenty to eleven,
1: and I think that was en route to winning the entire spiel, but I could be wrong. So, long history between those teams. Uh, anyway, it shakes out. We're going to have a good weekend on the women's side.
0: Absolutely. So yeah, let's uh, let's take that, and we'll move on now to what happened down in Omaha. Nebraska Scott, let's start with the mixed doubles. Yes, let's you know, we, we laid out a a way in which Canada could come through and make the playoffs last night, and then they went out and lost both of their games today, <laughs> losing uh this morning to the Swiss team and then tonight to the Swedish team to give the Swedes their first win. So John Morris and Kaelin Park sit at one and four with one game left against the Koreans tomorrow. A sort of a surprising day for the Canadians.
1: Yeah, it feels to me like after that loss against Switzerland, somebody forgot to tell uh, John Morris that they're still playing for money. So right. uh, you know, like there's still money on the line here for every game. It's not it's not uh, finished just because. You can't uh, qualify. There's also points available for the country. But yeah, it'll be uh, one more game tomorrow for all these teams. Switzerland five and zero have qualified out of Group A, yes. uh, which you know is not really a surprise. So, they're they're uh, the class of that group, in my opinion. But it does show that John Morris can lose at mixed doubles, and it is harder than just picking some random person off the street not that Kaylin park is a random person off the street she's very successful in her own right but
0: yeah so yeah. just yeah send an email to steve simmons let tell steve know. simmons yeah
1: that he can't do it and uh you know jared allen learned that uh, last week in uh at the Bonsfield down in the states that you can't just put a team together and win on tour without having curled for <laughs> for more than a year so yes. yeah uh you know, it's not really surprising that Switzerland's coming out of there, but a bit surprising that Canada has only one win.
0: Yes, uh, that is certainly the surprise out of the mixed doubles. If you look at the B side, the Norwegians and the Americans are at three and two, but the Norwegians have a one-point advantage there as the Americans won on a last uh, draw, on a draw to the button there. Yes in the their game this evening against China, and Joe Polo put it on the pin, Scotty. He did. Uh, I don't know if you saw that highlight. Uh, they were fired up.
1: Yeah, Sean, I was watching this game at the same time as watching the camera, and honestly, my eyes were going a little cross-eyed watching so much
0: <laughs> curling there. I had,
1: had this on the iPad. I was going back and forth in sound and sort of forgetting who was play, playing which rocks. I kind of wish that uh, the World Cup was using different colored stones. It would really help me out. But uh, in any event, the U.S., they seem to... Like, Tabitha Peterson, I she really didn't want to play a shot that they had played in the sixth and uh They tried to play a freeze and left a double, and China ended up getting uh, three, I believe. Uh, maybe not three, but at least two. And uh, really getting back in the game. And she... You know, talking to the coach on the backboard, she was saying, I really didn't want to play that. Uh, you kind of talked me into it. Like, uh, I kept saying, is there a double? Is there a double? And I, I really sort of fell in love with her because it reminded me of me t- talking to you <laughs> at our games there on uh, on Monday night. But, no, there's still a chance. Norway is playing China tomorrow. Uh, if they get three points, they're in. Yes. So it's pretty simple math there. The U.S. needs to get three points and get some help. They're playing Russia in the morning, this group's all piled up with nine, eight, seven, six points. So, uh, you know, Russia wins. They could get up to nine points and have Norway lose, but uh, then China would would get through. So I think Russia's eliminated there, but still uh, between Norway, U.S. and China, all three of them still have a chance to get out.
0: Yeah, and those games are going tomorrow at four o'clock. So tomorrow afternoon. There in the final mixed doubles draw, the Americans and the Russians, Norwegians and the Chinese, and as you say on the other side in Group A, not really much to play for there tomorrow at noon out in Omaha. So uh, it'll be fun to see how that plays out. Certainly, uh, the crowds look like they've been pretty good, and with a you know win or go home situation for the Americans at noon, that should be a pretty fun environment yeah, for, re- the, the, for Tabitha Peterson and Joe Polo.
1: Yeah, I really hope uh, the fans come out uh, in force and absolutely show their support for this team. Now, Sean, the biggest news to come out of Omaha has to be on the women's side. What, Anna I'm Hasselberg.
0: They, uh, oh, Anna Hasselberg. Oh, yes, of course. Anna, yes, Hasselberg. Anna Hasselberg. Yes, that, uh, yes done. They are now one and three in this event, and I don't what have you seen, Scott, what's been going on with them?
1: Not much that's too bad, really. like they they just seem to be uh, just the wrong side of the inch there. Uh, they played Japan really tough tonight. I think the first couple days, uh, Agnes was feeling a little sick. And uh the whole team, you know, that was a, a tough go at the Europeans for them. They were not feeling well at the beginning of the week. They flew to Japan for some award in yes. between that nobody seems to really know what it was.
0: <laughs> uh
1: and then came to Omaha and they gotta be tired. They've been playing so much this fall. Uh they've already earned uh their way into the grand final. So a, maybe a bit of a letdown early in the week. That, that game against Japan they just played, uh, uh, Suzuki Fujisawa was just playing great. That That's kind of all there is to it. She's making everything. She's picked up on the ice. That Yeah, it's uh, that's sort of all I see as the the reason for Sweden not uh, not getting in there.
0: Well, I'll, I'll say this. When you look at some of the numbers that Sweden's putting up, Uh, If you look at the scoring, they're one and three, but they're only a minus two on the score differential. That being said, uh, everybody drink. The last stone efficiency, they're only converting at 17%. Their force rate at 29%. So they're really struggling on those key metrics in terms of the scoring. So even though the numbers might not look bad shooting-wise, they're not being effective and taking advantage of their opportunity with Last Rock. And one of the strengths of this team is being able to get out to leads and just crush people and if you're only converting at 17% that is not very good
1: yeah and and on the flip side you know the force efficiency is the second lowest in the field at only 29% which is pretty insane cuz cuz they're at least in the 60s usually
0: yeah on their, so,
1: their force yeah, efficiency so like canada's up at 70% uh, with their force efficiency which uh, is maybe a little surprising for me, but uh, but anyway, yeah, for Sweden to be that far low, that's sort of it. It's their execution. They're getting too many ones and giving up too many too many twos.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and you're not gonna win a lot of games that way. Uh, we'll hey, doing that. Uh, this is my Gunner analysis. Uh, speaking sure. of whom, let's move over to Jason Gunnerson.
1: Do, do we want to touch on Pool A uh, for the, the women or no?
0: Oh yeah, let's talk about Tracy Flurry, who uh, now sits, as we speak, at uh, two and two. Is that right?
1: Uh, they're at they're at uh, two and two. Yeah, two and two, yeah. leading leading the pool with nine points. That's because they got uh, their their losses have been in extra time.
0: But that doesn't equal nine.
1: Oh man, math. It's too late to do math, Sean.
0: Yeah, so, something seems a little off here with the world-curling uh, live scoring. Uh, the Koreans are at 3-1, and one, the Americans are at 2-2, two and two, and the Russians are at 0-4. Oh and, and Tracy Fleury comes through here today with a couple big wins.
1: Yeah, Sean, uh, they, they seem to be playing pretty well today. Although, uh, was today the day that they played the U.S.? Everything's bleeding together for me.
0: Yeah, so tonight uh or excuse me this morning they played the Americans uh, at 8:30. They got a big 7 to 5 win here. Really fun game if just for scoreboard watching. If you look at I like weird scoreboards. This is a weird scoreboard. To me, the Americans had last rock in the first end. Tracy Flory gets the steal, then gets the force, and then gets a three, then proceeds to get another force. So she's up 3-2 with the hammer halfway through the game and then gives up a steal of one, a steal of two, before cracking a deuce of her own and stealing in the eighth end for a 7-5 to five win. And what was kind of curious about this is if you look at the shot-by-shot shot of the 10th end, I really don't know how this ended up being played the way it was played. Canada cleared out the front. They were clearly going for a force, here they were playing for the draw to the button sean
1: yes because because they weren't going hard for the steal they were up by one you would think they would go hard for the steal but no they once it became clear that it was going to be hard to steal they went to try and and uh you know just create a force by keeping it open which i thought was super super strange i don't i don't understand
0: why they did what they did but they did, and right. uh, and, and, tra- and and Jamie Sinclair was playing with them. Yeah, she's, she's pulling off guards. Uh, she didn't seem all that interested either. Neither of in, them wanted to in win. Going this. hard.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and then so, on the last throw,
0: she has a pretty open
1: takeout and just overthrows it and rolls out and uh, gives Flurry the win.
0: Yeah, I so-
1: I, I retweeted the uh, the tweet from, uh, World Curling about it so it was really strange to me it, it seemed like yeah like Tracy Flory was like okay cool we'll we'll go to the draw like sort of for maybe forgetting that you don't get all your points for that or I don't know right it, and uh, and if
0: you look to at, at the numbers she forces I don't know if she for, it's an open hit James and Claire could have thrown either turn if she had liked she throws an out turn hit and she misses it and for the game that was her fourth out turn hit of the game and she finished at 56% on those shots versus 88% on granted only two but two in turn hits and it's just a really curious choice there to go with it uh, you know uh, but again if you look at the numbers for Tracy Flurry the the trend for her is struggling with the draws maybe that's why she didn't but which is so weird like I, it, she's struggling with the draw weight she threw five draws today in this game at 55% so you could make a case, well, that's why she doesn't want to mix it up in the 10th end because her draw weight's not there. Well, then but you got the to play the draw to the button. you have to play the draw to the button. It makes, no, it makes sense to do this and to play open, get an easy force, go to the extra if you have an extra end to go to.
1: But yeah, you, which, which is not the case don't. here.
0: Yeah, and you clearly don't have your draw weight. Now, maybe, maybe and I I think teams should do this because I think you're allowed to pick whoever you want to throw it. Maybe just get Kristen McCush to throw it. I don't know because she had her weight today. She was through 96% on her shots, uh, on our draw shots. So I I just don't know why this played out the way it did, but a very, very curious (laughs) 10th end this morning.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I mean, I feel a bit for Jamie Sinclair, not being able to, uh, you know, capitalize on what seemed to be handing her free points, but at the same time, kind of happy, Uh, happy for Team Canada. So two games left tomorrow on the women's side. They're yes, playing. And, and
0: sorry, Scott, I do just want to correct one quick thing
1: here yep, that go ahead.
0: Uh, uh, Tracy Fleury is three and one. They entered into the system here. If, if you look at the curling World Cup website, the game against the Americans as a loss for Canada. That's why oh. it says two and two. But they are in fact three and one. They swept the two games against the Russians. That was their second game today, and then they beat the Americans. Their loss is to the Koreans. So they are at three and one.
1: So they are three and one, same as the Koreans. And tomorrow they've got Korea and the United States still to come. If I'm if I'm correct.
0: Uh, Yes. So uh, a split day tomorrow, yes, the Koreans and the Americans again. And if you look at it, the Americans are not out of it. They'll need some help from the Russians to beat the Koreans. But, you know, there's a chance.
1: Uh, There's a chance for sure. Uh, The Russian team is a good team, just having a a tough week there. So, uh, you know, they could absolutely come through and and, – put up some some wins tomorrow, but we'll have to see what happens. Now, we want to move to the men?
0: Yeah, let's shift over our attention to the men, where I believe, as I look at the Curling World Cup website, all the results are accurate. <laughs> uh, um, and, yeah, let's talk about Jason Gunlison first. and his game today against Scotland, for the second time in this event, Scotty, Jason Gunlison goes up 4-1. to one, And uh, it would appear as though, that's what Bruce Mowat's strategy should be whenever he <laughs> plays Jason Gunlison from now on as he for the second time in a couple of days comes back from a 4 to 1 deficit this time winning 7 to 5 over the Canadians getting a big win for the Scottish team.
1: Yeah, Sean, for a team that was able to win a game one nothing a, cu- <laughs> yeah, a couple of weeks ago, they they really don't seem to be able to hold the lead, which is so strange because they can hit really really well. And it's just this five rock rule or or Gunner's, you know, willing to mix it up. So he's willing to play with them. But yeah, it's so weird. It's so weird to me that, that this team who can hit so well manages to give up big ends.
0: Yeah. And, and the thing about this game too, is that in the last end Gunner has this crazy run back. I think it was to win uh, on the center line. Uh, it's a long run, and they came really close. I think Denny Neufeld sort of did a little hop, Kevin Cooey, uh, jump in the air th- mm-hmm. when it was going, like almost making it. Uh, but yeah, it is hard to believe that they struggled as much as they do to defend.
1: Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's so, so weird. Like, So the force efficiency is really high at 73. They've given up, you know, 14 ones. But also a two and a three and a four, and it's those big ends that like they don't seem to all come in the same game. So, yeah, it's just uh, it's it's really hard to fathom that uh, they get in these positions where Gun looks and has to make hero shots. But yeah, it's uh, it's real tough.
0: Yeah, so they are not going to make the playoffs here in Group A as John Schuster has the lead at. Nine points. The Chinese and the Scottish teams, both with six and two games left to play. The Canadians play the Americans and the Chinese tomorrow, so they can play a little bit of a spoiler. Mm-hmm. But we'll see what happens. Whoever wins now, the uh, the game... Uh, you know, the schedule isn't great in terms of building the drama. the uh, The Scottish team and the Americans play in the morning, and if the Americans win that game over Bruce Moe tomorrow morning, John Schuster I believe would go through as I look at the tie-break scenarios here.
1: Okay. So, a uh, big game there. Yeah, a real big game. And, that's right, because I believe USA's beaten China.
0: I, I think know, I, you, they split. They're one-and-one. They one. s- yeah. yeah, they split those games, so then it would come down if it plays out that way, if, if John Schuster wins, and then Um, loses if he splits tomorrow and so he would need, the the Chinese team actually would need some help from either Scotland or the Canadians Mm -hmm. so how about that? Uh, Yeah,
1: so it'll be really fun to watch there tomorrow and then over on the other side we've got uh, Sweden leading the pool with nine points, sort of as expected Uh, the old stalwarts uh, from Norway, uh, two and two tied with Switzerland at six points and Japan bringing up the rear with only three, now you know, if Nicholas Sedine wins a game tomorrow, then he's pretty much guaranteed to to make it through. And it, I would be pretty surprised if he didn't. Looking at the looking at the schedule, he's got Switzerland and he's got Norway. So uh, yeah, possible, but yeah, if he wins one possible. of those games, uh, uh, wins one of those games, pretty much guaranteed a spot.
0: Yes, uh, pretty much, but not quite. There's well, a there yeah. is a like if. If the if he if he beats Thomas Uljrud in the morning, but loses to the Swiss and the Swiss beat the Japanese, then we're tied, and we're at the draw to the button again. So, yeah, uh, but that's know, Switzerland
1: it, Norway, uh, I guess that game just finished, eh? Switzerland Norway. Yeah. Okay.
0: So we got the uh, the Swiss winning tonight over Thomas Uljrud mm-hmm. six to five.
1: Yeah, that was the at four o'clock actually, but yes. Yeah, so okay right on well, we'll so, yeah
0: so th- so there's a, there's a path happens. here yeah, there's a path here to get to a draw to the button. Uh, some machinations need to to happen there. but that game in the morning, uh, the Swiss have to win uh, their game against the Japanese and uh, if Thomas Ulrd needs to beat Nicolassidine to have any chance himself. Oh but, Sean. Well but there's uh, there's yeah. a way there's actually there, there's a way in which we could go into that last draw. Uh, sadly, they're not playing at the same time. Uh, The the last draw, the Norwegians are playing the Japanese at 4, and then the Swiss are playing the Swedes at 7.30. So they're not going to be on the ice at the same time, which is kind of sad to sort of see how this all plays out. But there is a way that after the morning, the Swedes, the Norwegians, and the Swiss all have nine points.
1: Oh, boy. Well, yeah,
0: you're right, Sean. Get your abacus out, Scott.
1: It's super confusing, and if it's really confusing for me, I'm sure it's confusing for everyone listening. So let's not uh, slam everybody with with numbers too much uh, going forward. Let's uh, wrap it up, talk about what we're interested in for tomorrow. Is there one thing that you're interested in seeing tomorrow?
0: Uh, One specific thing? Not really. I mean, I'm curious to see, of course, how these playoffs shake out. At the World Cup, and just looking around at what's going on, I, I do want to see if uh, Suzuki Fujisawa can wrap this up and then obviously to see who she would play in a final, if Tracy Fleury can, can come through, win her two games. And if we have a Canada-Japanese final, I, I don't think anyone would have thought that. So I would say that the women's side at the World Cup is maybe the most interesting in that it is the least chalky of everything that we've seen here.
1: I'd agree. I'd agree. For me, I want to see if John Morris and Kaylin Park can finish it off with a win. I want to see that against Team Korea. I, maybe I'm the only one, but I like watching <laughs> mixed doubles at the Canada Cup. I really want to see. Uh, I really want to see a Rachel Holman matchup against. Uh, Jennifer Jones or K- Carrie Anderson, I'm looking forward to the semifinal maybe more than the final I've got I was going to turn my alarm off tomorrow Sean and uh-huh. I think I'm still okay to do that because it's very late
0: Yes. <laughs> and
1: uh my eyes are going all over the place watching so much curling but you know what, I love it and I'm really happy to do it and uh, excited for one more day Two more days.
0: But... Two more days. Yeah. So, uh, day. and just one quick thing: we will talk about this when we wrap up the weekend. Maybe we'll do this Sunday night or at or another time. Uh, Brent Lang put out a tweet today, saying or asking if people liked the new timing rules that were in place for the Canada Cup, and the response online was overwhelmingly negative, especially from the players. Uh, Braden Muscawy was a little outspoken about it and some of the other players mm. who are playing this week don't like it. I got to say for TV purposes, I think it's great. They they they're not rushing as much as they were on Wednesday. We did see Brandon Botcher had another time violation yeah. today, but that was in a game that he was already down 8-2 or something, so they were kind of out of it. Anyway, but uh, the thing that I've noticed is that every draw so far that I've I've watched they're out in three hours, yes. And at the Scotties and Brier World Championships, you're routinely looking at 315, sometimes three and a half to get through games, and now they're comp- they're, they're playing much more efficiently. And I gotta say, the th- the thing that's really great about curling isn't standing around watching Braden Musquay talk for five minutes, with all due respect, and you know throw your damn shots. And and somebody did bring this up on on Twitter as well that. The, the long discussions that we've seen in past years start to filter down to the club level. People see it on TV, play it at the club level. We played an interminable game uh, in, in our league a week and a half ago where people would just, like, the third was going down on every one of his shots to have a discussion. And they would take you know themselves 15 minutes to play an end. And I like this. And the more we can do to make the game have pace mm-hmm. is, is the best. So I just wanted to comment on that because it was discussion online today. That's how I feel about the timing rules. I don't know. It's got a few 30 seconds on what you think. Uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's whatever. I,
1: I don't really care one way or the other. So that's my 30 seconds.
0: All right, there you go. So uh, so that's what we got for you. We have one more wrap-up of the night of uh, going into another day, which will be tomorrow night, Saturday. Yes, we are doing a big Saturday night event wrap-up tomorrow after the semifinal tomorrow night, which will be the women's semifinal, I believe, from Estevan and the... Uh, Curling World Cup will be all wrapped up there. We'll have the finals there so we can talk about all the fun stuff. We'll have five games left to talk about once we get to tomorrow night, the three finals from Omaha, the two from Estevan. So please do join us and do subscribe on the iTunes, the Google Play, wherever it is you get your shows so that you don't miss the rest of our daily recap of a big week in the world of curling. You can follow along at Game of Stones Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and you can give us an email at Game Podcast at gmail.com. So everybody, sleep fast. Games are kicking off in Estevan in about 10 hours and about 8 hours in Omaha. So, until we talk to you tomorrow night, keep your brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern.